Last Sunday, Danielle Schroyer, our scholar in residence, she and I sat right here in the chancel and kicked off this sermon series entitled, It's God's Will or Is It? We kicked off this sermon series in conversation with one another, much like uh, two friends having coffee together, uh, unpacking the complexities of our lives. We made some ground rules last week, and I shared, with the, uh, shared those with you at the announcements. The first is this. The first ground rule is God is not a tyrant. God is not um, detached from God's creation, sitting on a throne, uh, watching us, making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, and then come in to our lives and our world when it's convenient to God to either bless us or teach us a lesson. God is not a tyrant. God is the heartbeat behind all of creation. The second thing that we um, took off with the assumption and, and, and sort of made a ground rule on was this. God can only will one thing, and that is abundant life. Another way um, that I like to frame that is the only thing that God can ever will is flourishing. In your mind, what does it mean to flourish? Whatever you came up with, trust it. I think that actually reveals what God's ultimate will is for all of us, all of creation, and for every time and place. It's important that we know where we're taking off this morning because there's some complexities that arise when we talk about God's will. We've got to know that God is not separate as a tyrant, and we've got to know that God's ultimate will is only ever life abundant. Today, what we're going to talk about, and we're going to put on the lens of this term, circumstantial will. How does God work in and through the circumstances of our lives? How do we look upon the circumstances of our lives and interpret where God is at work. If there has ever uh, been a biblical character who has given us a window into what it means to wrestle with God and to discern God's ultimate will, it's Moses. If you haven't done it, I would invite you this week, go back to Exodus and read all the way um, to Numbers. I mean, you can skip a lot, a lot of Leviticus in there, but go back and read the internal struggle of Moses with what Moses wants and versus what God's ultimate will is. And we learn a lot about how God works through circumstances to reveal God's ultimate will through the life of Moses. So today, it's only fitting that we turn to the book of Numbers to listen to how Moses is wrestling with God. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, all at the entrances of their tents. Then the Lord became very angry, and Moses was displeased. Moses was displeased. Pay attention. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servant so badly, God? I mean, why have I not found favor in your sight? that you lay the burden of all these people on me? I mean, did I conceive of all these people? Did I give birth to them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where am I to, 
to get meat to give to all these people. For they come to me, weeping, and they say, give us meat to eat. I am not able to carry all these people alone. They're too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, huh, put me to death at once. If I found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my misery. So the Lord said to Moses, Hey Moses, gather for me 70 of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them take their place there with you. I will come down and talk with you there and I will take some of the spirit that's on you and I'll put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you may not bear it all by yourself. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Awaken us, O God. Awaken us to your spirit that hovers here. Your spirit that hovers right here in the sanctuary, just as she hovered over the waters of creation. Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here. They would be your word to us right now. And breathe new life, O God, into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Pat Algier grew up in LaGrange, Georgia. His father worked at the cotton mill, which made Pat a lint head. You see, small towns, especially small towns in the South, have a way of classifying social classes through titles. Pat the Linthead happened to be in love with the debutante. And in LaGrange, Georgia, debutantes and Lintheads, well, they weren't allowed to be in love. I mean, there were rules about such things. But it turns out this Linthead and that debutante didn't play by the rules. Much to the chagrin of the debutante's lawyer father and that Linthead's father, mill worker, these two not only remained together, but fell more deeply in love. And on graduation, they even chose colleges right around the corner from one another. They graduated and left LaGrange and went to Atlanta, Pat to Georgia Tech, his high school sweetheart to Emory. In Atlanta, they came to know a world bigger than the one that they thought they knew in LaGrange. They also came to realize that the love that they had shared all of their high school days, well, it wasn't an everlasting love. They grew apart as 
High school sweethearts sometimes do. But they knew that they would always remain friends. Pat actually introduced his high school sweetheart to his college best friend, and they ended up getting married. And Pat would go and visit them in the suburbs of Atlanta once a year. One Sunday afternoon when Pat was uh, getting in his car, getting ready to head back to Nashville, Tennessee, where he lived, just before he put the key in the ignition to crank the car, remember when we used to do that, used to put the key in? Just before he did that, it dawned on him. My life could have gone very differently. I mean, my life could have ended me up right here in the suburbs of Atlanta. It's funny how life works out. You know, you can see so clearly looking back what you couldn't see in the present. The very next week, uh, Pat was at the office when another fellow songwriter bumped into him in the hallway. And he said, hey, Pat, I know you're not into this kind of thing, but I would love for you to meet this up-and-coming musician. I know that you really don't like to hang out with up-and-coming musicians, but I think this guy's got a chance. Would you meet with him? Pat said, fine. And this young kid from Oklahoma, he had pleats in his, or not pleats, but he had um, his pressed blue jeans on. He had a big cowboy hat and a t-shirt, uh, came up, knocked on Pat's door and said, uh, Mr. Algier, very good to meet you. I just thought I would stop and introduce myself. My name's Garth Brooks. I'm starting a, a career in the music business, and I just wanted to come introduce myself. And Pat said, Garth, it's really good to meet you. Come on in. That conversation led to Pat telling Garth about his weekend in the suburbs of Atlanta. And that realization, just before he was going to put the key in the ignition of the car, that his life could have gone differently. And Garth said, well, Pat, that's really interesting. I, I was just at a football game the other night and had the same realization. That afternoon, in like an hour, Pat Algier and Garth Brooks wrote the song that we all know as Unanswered Prayers. It's a song that we have known for generations. It's sold more copies than we can count. It's a story that starts just the other night at a hometown football game. My wife and I ran into my old high school flame. And as I introduced them, the past came back to me. And I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be. She was the one that I wanted for all time. Each night I'd spent praying that God would make her mine. And if he'd only grant me this wish I'd wish back then, I'd never ask for anything again. Thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> Friends, we can so clearly see what we can't see in the moment of our lives when we look back on them. But sometimes if we have not been gifted the gift of time and perspective, we can sometimes apply other people's wisdom from when they have looked back onto our present circumstances. It's why when I was 19 years old and had my heart broken and I was steeped in Garth Brooks, I thought the only reason that I had been broken up with was because it was God's will for my life. I mean, it would only explain the reason that someone would not want to date me. <laughs> I am so glad you laughed. That's what that was intended to do. 
I didn't have the gift of perspective to look back on my life. I was applying old wisdom to my present circumstances. And how often have we interpreted God's will on our life in our present circumstances, and they have played by this rule. This is what I want. This is what I have prayed for. This is what I have most desired. And this is what I have deemed to be good enough. If we're not careful, we can take all of the wants in our life and apply God to them. And when we get them, we go, well, that was God's will. When we don't get them, then we think, well, I guess that wasn't God's will. The issue is, my good Presbyterian people, where we matter, or where we begin, it really matters. We've got to get clear. If we're going to interpret God's will and God's activity and the circumstances of our lives, where we start. Sometimes I bring out these uh, blue light glasses to make a point. These are those blue light lenses that they convinced us we needed during COVID because of all the Zoom meetings, you know. I'm going to use them this morning to be the frames of our ego. Sometimes we can walk around the world with the lenses of our ego. This is what I want. This is what I deserve. This is what I want to be paid. This is the job that I want. This is the life that I've come to expect. This is what I want my kids to do. This is actually the age I want to die. And we can have these uh, lenses on and everything is uh, seen primarily through what we want, what we desire. And so then we say, God, Will you give me what I want? And our prayers can sound a little bit like turning God into a vending machine. We're asking God to endorse our will rather than acknowledging that we have some ego work to do to take our lenses off so that we can see the broader ultimate will of God. Let's use Moses as an example. You heard Moses in his prayer, didn't you? He had his lens of ego on. God, why have you brought me all of these people? What have I done? Do you expect for me to carry the burden of these people? How am I supposed to get me? You hear all this? God hears what Moses is crying out. And God responds in a way that allows Moses to take off his ego glasses so he can fall into the expansiveness and the abundance of life that is already waiting for him. Friends, we learn uh, so much from Moses. In this text this morning, I think we learn three particular things. If we are going to be people who are faithful in seeking to discern God's life-giving will in our life, we've got a number one acknowledge that we need to say out loud what it is that we think we see. That's called prayer, by the way. God, I see this. I don't know what to do with it. Number two, we need to be open to taking off our ego frames so that we can fall into the expansiveness of what God has waiting for us. 
And number three, we have to be a people willing to trust that that expansiveness is trustworthy. Friends, if we are going to talk about God's will, another way to think about this is um, God's ultimate will is the base note that is behind all of creation. A theologian that I follow says it this way. Uh, God's will is the base note behind all of creation. Hey, Bradley, can we get a base note just sustained? <laughs> base note behind all of creation. Never goes away. And sometimes if we are operating out of our ego lenses, we can create all kinds of circumstances that actually have nothing to do with God, but we can convince ourselves that we do. Hey, Bradley, can we get some uh, like treble, some flourishing or something? Friends, we can spend a lot of time chasing all of those notes that are dancing through our ego lens, and we will miss the base note of God's will that is actually waiting for us, that is the heartbeat behind all of creation. That heartbeat of creation has never gone away. It's the heartbeat of creation that is with us even now. But when we think about the circumstances that we create, often those circumstances are rooted in our lens of ego. Like Moses, we got to get clear about what we see. Like Moses, we got to say, God, what is that base note that is waiting for us? And we've got to trust to be able to step out. Trusting that it's true. Y'all know that parable, I'll close this way. You know that parable, it seems sort of corny at the time, but it's really applicable when you're talking about circumstantial will, something that can be very heady. You know that parable of the couple that lived uh, out by the ocean? And they didn't uh, heed the warnings when a hurricane was coming? And so authorities said, uh, you really should pack up all of your stuff, put it in a car, and take the hurricane evacuation route. And they said, no, 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 no. We're the praying type. We're going to pray that God's will be done, and we trust that God's going to keep us safe. And the authorities said, no, this is a really big storm. And they said, no, 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 we're praying that God's will is going to be done for us. And the authorities said, you really should evacuate. Sure enough, that hurricane came, and it absolutely flooded their area. The next day, uh, the Coast Guard came in on a boat. And they said, you got to get out of here because uh, the rivers, they have uh, swelled. And the water is only going to rise, and we really think you should get in this boat so that we can take you to safety. And they said, no, 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 no. We've been praying. We know that God has got us. We know God's will will be done. And the, the authority said, no, 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 you really should get in this boat. Like, you really should get in the boat because we don't know if another storm is coming. And the couple said, nope, we're going to be fine. Sure enough, the next night, another storm came in, and these, uh, this poor couple... They had to move up to the attic of their house. The water had gone so high. So the Coast Guard sent a helicopter. And they said, you need to get in this helicopter so we can take you to safety. And the couple said, no, 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 no. We're praying that God's will will be made known. God's going to take care of us. We don't need your helicopter. Unfortunately, that night, the house crumbled into the water. This couple died. They got to the other side. God was there waiting. And God said, what are you doing here? And they said, God, that's, why we were, that's what we were going to ask you. 
we've been praying for your will. And God said, I sent you people who told you to pack up your car and take the hurricane evacuation route. I sent the Coast Guard in a boat. I sent a helicopter to rescue you. Why are you here? And they said, wait, that was you? And God said, yeah, every time. Friends, sometimes we can settle on a smaller God than we think we have. And we can make that God so small that the ultimate and life-giving will of God that is so far beyond what we can imagine can feel foreign. Like Moses, may we be invited this very week to get clear about uh, the frames that we wear. May we be as bold to say to God in prayer, this is what I see. And may we be open to the ultimate will of God that looks like flourishing. And may we be willing to take a step in faith towards that abundant life. Will you pray with me? God, we are a people who most desire to be in full relationship with you. And yet we find it so difficult because we get wrapped up in the trouble of our lives. Awaken us to the base note of your presence and create pathways that we might hear it clearly. Take a step to follow where it leads. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.